Well, hey there, folks. Welcome back to this episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And today we've got another fantastic guest. Our guest is Carolyn Gartan. And I just destroyed the name and you just pronounced <laughs> it two seconds ago. But Carolyn is, is a very, very interesting person and real estate entrepreneur. I've known Carolyn for a while now. In fact, she was popping up on a number of webinars I was doing, doing throughout the, the pandemic. And I'd see Carolyn's smiling, friendly face popping up. And I'd always ask her for a favor if she could help out with the the techie side of things, which she would graciously do. So always appreciated that. But here's what's really interesting. Carolyn was really interested in investing in tax liens and tax deeds in the States as a Canadian. And she researched a ton about this, taking courses and stuff like this from Americans teaching people how to do this. But there was always something missing there for her. And she was I still remember that she was just kind of frustrated that she she was missing this one piece. But the good news is she's figured it out in the last year and a bit or year or two, whatever it's been since since I saw Carolyn last. She's taken massive action and she is doing deals. So today we're going to be taking a deep dive into Canadians investing in American tax liens and tax deeds. So Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave. Happy to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here. So, Carolyn, tell us, first of all, what piqued your curiosity and your interest around this whole area of real estate investing called tax liens and tax deeds? Well, I I was living in the States uh, during the real estate crash in 2008, 2009. And at the time, I was I was just sort of passing through and I had no intention of, of getting involved in real estate, but this strange market crash happened. And all of a sudden um, there were just many, many houses for sale at, at uh, bargain prices. And so I became an accidental owner and uh, bought in. And then five years later, when I left the States, it's like, oh, oh okay. Well, I didn't have a lot of equity in the house. Um, and so clearly, my choice was to uh, rent it out. And so I went from accidental homeowner to accidental uh, landlord. And, uh, and I, I've been in that business for, um, you know, more than 10 years now, I guess. And, yeah. and I have rental properties in Canada as well. Um, but I, what I really enjoy is the whole process of buying a new property and cleaning it up and and uh, setting it up for um, for people who are looking for affordable housing. Mm-hmm. And in Canada, I mean, we don't really have that category of housing. Not, not right? in your neck of the woods, not in my <laughs> neck of the woods either. Maybe in, in the middle somewhere, there might still be a few pockets of it. But yeah, it's yeah. a bit more difficult. Yeah. And so you introduced me to the whole concept of tax deed buying. And uh, I was, uh, I liked the idea of being able to buy in states that are much closer to home Mm -hmm. because landlording in Texas can get complicated when you're in Southwestern Ontario, especially when pandemics and things happen. And, uh, and so I was researching I started out thinking, well, New York State or Michigan would be great places to to buy, and and then I took a whole bunch of workshops and 
And uh, everything I looked at, um, people were really promoting, you know, sort of luxury homes, right? Oh, look, you can buy these houses for, you know, 10 cents, 10 cents on the on dollar, the dollar. And, <laughs> and then sell them for a million dollars, right? Or, you know, half million or whatever. And uh, gee, you know, all the auctions I attended, they really didn't work out that way at all. Yeah, well, and, and, and even so, 10 cents on the dollar for a million dollar property is still quite a few dollars you have to come up with. So, Well, yeah. yeah. And of course, with tax deeds, you have to have cash on the barrel, right? right. It, I mean, it is an auction in that way. And uh, now some states like Michigan do allow you to buy with credit cards. Um, but again, if you're buying a cross-border, and uh, that that can get pretty complicated, you know, coming up with credit cards and, and enough enough cash on your credit cards to again, right. you know, purchase houses. So, I, you know, the first year I researched more than a thousand properties, Holy smoke. and uh, I didn't buy a single thing. <laughs> then the second year I I concentrated on Michigan because um, Michigan has this nice sale that happens in August and September every year. And uh, you get the list in plenty of time and in advance. Mm. And uh, I, th I thought, okay, well, I'll put my energy into that sale. So, again, so I Carolyn, forgive me for a second. So the, the first year where you kind of scattered and you're looking at auctions all over the place, was that part of the challenge? You hadn't laser focused in on one particular area? Well, they tend to be seasonal. So yeah. I'm, from month to month, I would focus on different auctions. So Got I spent it. a lot of time looking at uh, lots in Nevada and researching water tables and trying to figure out how, you know, like what is a buildable lot in the middle of the desert. And right? you're doing all of this and, online, and that, right? This was all being done online. Yes, because yeah. this was the pandemic. Yeah. And uh and so I looked at different states. I tried to bid in Georgia and they only had one online sale. And then um, they accepted all my documents and then the auction company wouldn't take a non-resident. So, you know, it's just uh, kind of very complicated to figure out that cross-border mm. um, sort of, of purchasing. And as well, I didn't want to change Canadian dollars. I wanted to work with the American dollars I had um, to buy properties. So, so that meant I was looking at, um, you know, um, lower prices. And I, and I looked at the Michigan um, real estate lists. And in Michigan, you know, in a lot of places, you can buy a house for for under fifty thousand dollars, new, you know, right. like on the on the MLS, not new, right. but on the MLS. And I thought, well, if you can buy it for fifty new, well, surely you can yeah, get some yeah, good if deals retail's on the tax 50, deed sales. <laughs> if retail's fifty, then then the wholesale and tax liens, tax deeds should be quite affordable. All right, so you decided to laser right. focus in on Michigan again, right. and forgive me because I I haven't researched it anywhere near as much as you have, but. If I recall correctly, it's not by state, it's actually by county. So there's a whole bunch of counties in Michigan. So are you looking at a bunch of different counties and do they all kind of come up at the same time of the year? Or have you you got laser focus in on a couple of those? Well, there's just the there's the one sale. They all, all the Michigan um sales are run by one company. Okay. And uh so it is uh, you know, sort of six or eight weeks um when all the sales happen. Got it. So 
But the big problem I had was the border was closed. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, Michigan was attractive because I could just drive across the border and look at houses in the pandemic. Couldn't do it. Right. Right. And so I'd been hiring people to go and take pictures of the property for me. And um, but I, I found that generally speaking, um, they didn't know a lot about real estate. I mean, they might take good pictures, um, but, you know, how do you get them to assess mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, exactly what they're seeing? And uh, and so I I researched, I guess, about 700 properties in Michigan the second year, and I still didn't didn't buy anything. But I missed a lot of them by only 100 bucks. So so I was getting closer. Oh, so you weren't so just researching. Third... <laughs> you were actually bidding. You were making bids. I you was were... bidding. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. But man, it was frustrating. My partner was like, what kind of job is this you've taken on? <laughs> Oops. Um, <laughs> so, but the third year, um, the border had opened. And uh, so um, I picked uh, several counties and I was no longer stuck with urban properties as well because I could go and look. I could, okay. you know, look at suburban and, and drive around. But we, we picked eight counties and we went and had a look. And what I discovered was that, in fact, all the research I'd done hadn't really been very helpful at all, because what what you need to do is you need a neighborhood and, and you're not investing in the properties so much as you're investing in its potential within a neighborhood. OK. And and so, you know, I mean, I could recite chapter and verse, you know, legal statutes and, you know, try and figure out the the comps on a house and all of that and and figured out assessments and EPA standards and everything else. But until I actually drove into those neighborhoods, it was really just not even worth it, <laughs> you know, all the time. I mean, yeah. you have to do that, but um you know, I mean, you know it from buying your own houses, right? You mm -hmm. decide where you want to live first, right? And within a, a certain area, and then you find what fits within that. And so through doing a tour, all of a sudden I knew what we were looking at and, and you know, what was a good value. And, and, you know, because they all look kind of tired on the tax list you know yeah. they're distressed properties don't tell your non-real estate friends about this because they will not understand what you see in these you know sort of rough cut gems <laughs> right. but um, well, there's a reason quite often that people haven't paid their taxes for quite some time and they've they've gotten to the stage right so well exactly and it's not a real estate problem right it's a social problem you know it's about um you know, it may have been about a death in the family. It might be about disability. It might be about, you know, mental illness. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on there. Um, and Michigan is pretty amazing in terms of the support that they roll out for people who, you know, <laughs> run foul of the tax man right. and providing support systems for them. But um I mean, what you're doing in, in buying these properties is really helping address um, these problem properties in a neighborhood. And so on the one hand, you get the residents the help they need to, you know, into social services. But on the other hand, you can restore these properties to some, you know, 
a better condition, a mm-hmm. uh, livable condition. You can turn them into rental properties or you can sell them on land contracts and, um, you know, or you could sell them on the open market, of course. So, um, so, so what does yeah. your journey look like so far, Carolyn? You've, you've, I mean, put years into <laughs> learning this stuff, looking at deals, researching stuff before you got your first one. Most people would have given up after researching 22 of them, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, so where, where are you at now? How many deals have you done? In Michigan, um, we've did, we did two deals this past year. Okay. Great. So we what got, do, um, what do those look like? Yeah. Well, one is a, a two plus one, two bedrooms, one bath on an acre and a half on the, in a beautiful community with a lake nice. and in, that's in Clare County. And uh, the other one is a mobile home lot in a village in South Central uh, Michigan, uh, which will be um, putting a mobile home on that one. It has, it has, uh, you know, a septic system and, and a well, but at some point, um, a former mobile home was removed. So it's a whole mobile home subdivision in there. And again, there's a nice river just down the road and beautiful community. And you're going to hold on to these long-term as rental properties. Is that correct? That's the plan right now. Yeah. Um, the problem we had originally I was thinking, well, we would sell them, but they were such nice communities. <laughs> but it's like, how could we possibly let these go? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, we're going to try renting them out. And, uh, you know, they're they're within a day's commute easily. So we're hoping that landlording at a distance will be, um, you know, Not, easier. The, it will um, be easier. Okay, so now that you've got all this research practice under your belt now that you've got a couple of properties in the portfolio where are you going what do you what what's what's next for you guys now that you've got your feet wet well i mean more of the same really i mean we're uh we're hoping to to buy two new properties every year so um it's a lot of energy i find you know <laughs> like it Everyone talks about, oh, well, you know, you buy something as a tax deed and then, you know, you flip them or whatever. But I I mean, the, the reality, of course, is much more complex than that. I mean, you have to work with um, local people. And if you're not um, if you're not working in just one area, um, every time you have to build a team. Right. right. And so it can it can take a, a significant amount of time. So are you going to keep focusing on these same eight counties within Michigan? Are you going to maybe narrow it down a little bit more or expand it a bit? What are your thoughts about that in order to do these two deals a year? Right. Well, what, what we discovered was that in fact, there are many Michigans. And so we, we explored these eight counties and we were able to just stroke some off mm-hmm. um, that, okay, never go back. <laughs> and and um, the, re- the reason being their war zones or, oh, or what, but just. No, not so much that because we, we stayed away from urban areas, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of poverty and, and there's a lot of crime in some parts of Michigan, but it was more just that they were um, too remote, you know, or, or too rural. Um, it's hard to assess that when you're looking at maps. 
Mm -hmm. right? Trying to figure out what exactly a community looks like. Um, Sometimes, you know, there were environmental issues, like all the properties in the sales would be, um, you know, right on train tracks Mm -hmm. or, you know, something like that. Um, So, we we identified communities that we thought were good. Some of the the houses that we were looking at that that we thought would make great um, purchases in the tax sale, we'd arrive and it'd be um, a seasonal community. So in essence, they're cottages, right? right? And and so you know, I guess if you have a snowmobile, you could get there in the winter. But you know, they're not certainly not what we were looking for. You want to buy a cottage. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It, it's a uh, it's a good opportunity. So that that's the kind of stuff you can't see without physically going there. So mm-hmm. we were able to identify a, a few communities that that we liked. So now with the more informed eye, it'll be easier to focus on the area, those areas um, in the future. Yeah. So but also I, I run a mastermind. And so other people have other interests in Michigan. And so we explore those with, with all of our meetings. And a lot of times they'll bring a property that they're, that they've purchased, that they're working on, or, or uh, one that they're thinking they might bid on. And then we'll go through that and we'll explore it. And um, so that's really helpful for all of us um, to have this little community of people who are, are grappling with those challenges too. So, so, so Carolyn, um, I kind of big picture I understand the benefits of investing in tax liens, tax or well, tax defaulted properties is no bottom line. <laughs> you can possibly get quite a good deal on a property and buy it for, you know, maybe not pennies on the dollar, but you can get a significant discount off, off the retail right. price of the property. However, you're yeah. definitely not making it sound like a fun walk in the park to, to actually do this kind of stuff. So, you know, compared to everything else that's out there, why do you, why do you now, you know, continue to be really bullish about tax defaulted properties? Well, it's just, it's very rewarding. I think it's a way of giving back and providing affordable housing for people in communities um, where like one of the places we bought, I mean, there really isn't any other rental property there. And, uh, you know, because the taxes are fairly low and all, I guess people buy if they can. But I think it's it's really important to make, um, you know, comfortable houses available to people who might not otherwise have an opportunity to live in these nice communities. And, um, and there's still a good return on it. I mean, once you, you do, you know, what shall we call it, postpone maintenance, and uh, tidy the place up a little bit. um, You know, then you can decide at that point, what you're going to do with it, are you going to sell it at, you know, to someone who who is prepared to invest a lot of money into it, or are you going to to rent it out? So I really see it as um, just just a way of helping um, build an economy that's comfortable, and uh, you know even people with low incomes should be able to live in nice, comfortable houses um, in these communities, in the communities they want to live in, mm-hmm. and um, and so it's 
it is addressing those social issues in a way because yeah. this is um, uh, a depressed state, and some some areas, of course, more depressed than others. It uh, it's great. It's uh, it's very rewarding. And good. Uh, good, good. So and it's interesting. Let me let me ask you this. And so you the two properties you've got, one is a house that you're you're fixing up, you're gonna rent it out. The other one's uh, a lot that you're gonna put a modular home on. Moving ahead, what kind of properties are you gonna be focusing on? Because you know, very, very different situations for both of those. So if you could wave the right. realistic magic wand, what would you like to do more of? Um, well, I think that both models work. I mean, what you don't get at the tax sale is, um, you know, pretty little houses, right? right? Anything yeah. that that could go uh, to the MLS or could be sold for retail is is gone, right? right. Before it gets there, um, and so it's it's a more realistic assessment of what's available, but. Um, we really like these these little communities and these uh, you know simple houses like two plus one or two plus yeah, two. Yeah. So you you would um, rather buy a house yeah. than a vacant piece of property, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah. Well, if it's got all, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, if it's already, um, if you're replacing a house because a lot of the houses that go to the tax sale, um, you know, they've had fires or oh, then they've okay. been torn down. So they have and to be so, demolished anyhow. Yeah or they have been demolished by the county. And so um, you're getting nice lots in communities where there used to be a house there or where there are our neighbors. So it's not like, um, you know, buying that lot out in the desert in Nevada. Um, It really is, um, you know, buying into a community and helping to restore the So what are you you going to be doing with this modular home? Are you going to be, Buying a used one and putting it on there. Buying, what, what's what's your plan for that? What makes sense financially yeah. and economically for you guys to well, do? Well, you you can pick them up fairly and affordably. Um, people trade them in to dealerships, and dealerships just want to get rid of them um, okay. yeah. because you know they they'll sell them for very little money sometimes they'll sell them you'll give them to you if you move them um so they need some work but as long as they're contemporary um the the standards for mobile homes changed in the 90s and uh so now they have to conform conform to hud housing standards so really they're houses yeah for sure in a way that that they didn't so how how much you're looking at how much do you think it's going to cost you to get a house on this on this um, vacant property that you've got? Give or well, take. Well, to move it, it's probably about two grand. Oh, um, but I should be able to buy one for under ten. All right, so for so around yeah. fifteen grand, you can probably get yeah a pretty nice home yeah. put on this. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's making a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah, it's a good sure. model. Yeah. And then, and then you can rent it or you could sell it for land contract, you know, um, or people could, could, you could do a blend. People could rent it for a year while they're saving up a down yeah, yeah, payment. Yeah. And then, options. Yeah. you know, there are lots of different ways to do and, it. And how much so, are these lots mm-hmm. going for these properties that you guys are looking for? What do you, what's kind of the price range you're looking at? 
Oh, well, I, I'm pretty cheap. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for bargains. I'm looking for bargains in good neighborhoods. So, um, I mean, I was buying things for 25 cents on the dollar when I what finally figured out how, how to do it. So, um, so, you know, you can buy houses for under 20 and you can buy lots for, you know, five to 10. So, yeah. and, uh, but again, so I look for ones that already lot, have utilities. Yeah. This lot that you're buying, you're, you're at the end of the day, probably going to be having an, a, a pretty nice house on that all in for about 25,000 us. Is that what I'm hearing? Give or take. Yeah. And then yeah. rent for that. What are they going for in that area? Well, that depends on, on how big a, a home you put on it. So the three bedroom, two bath, which yeah. a lot of them are, um, you could probably rent for 12, 1200. So, yeah. you know, it's, that's it's a nice turnover. That. Yeah. That's hard to beat so, that. And yeah. moving it, moving ahead, are you planning on sticking or sticking with these lower priced properties? Or are you going to start bringing on partners, raising a bit of money and, and either buying more of them or, you know, cause under your own financial right. seems good, but if, if you join forces with some other people, I can right. see some other folks being interested in tapping into that big spark brain of yours. that's done all this research, <laughs> piggybacking along for that and, and getting some good returns. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping to do joint ventures and, and get involved in, in that sort of thing. I mean, if you, buy land, you can build your own mobile home parks, right? I mean, you can put mobile homes on land and, uh, you know, you just need to know the county regulations. So in more rural places, it might be an acre per home. So if you buy, you know, a five acre lot, um, you could put five homes on put, that. Build your own right? community there for less yeah. than the price of a house. In Ontario, yeah. for about, yeah. about one third of the price of a house in Ontario, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, so there's there's lots of models that would work. And because, um, you know, these are distressed properties, they come they come with this community that they've been in and people are so happy that someone is finally taking care of, it up. Yeah. of this property. It's you not going to be an eyesore and, anymore. Well, it's... It's more than a it's it's more than appearance actually. I mean, it's much deeper than that, right? Because it brings it it brings neighbors back into a community. You know, these houses may have been abandoned. Um, you know, they might have been sitting there roofless and and full of vermin. You know, you might be having roach problems in the whole neighborhood or rat problems because you've got this, you know, um, broken down falling down house. I don't buy those houses, but lots of people do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, or it may be the friends that they have and, and who they're bringing into the community as well. You know, the people who are living there or you one, get one, one way or the other, you're helping to clean up the community. Yes. Yeah. But you're yeah. also helping the community too, by, you know, bringing in people who, who appreciate, you know, the house. So, Definitely. so it's, it's really, an alien concept um, as I sit here in Southwestern Ontario, <laughs> um, <laughs> looking at the real estate market and, and how difficult it is to find, um, you know, even a, an affordable apartment. Definitely. So it's, uh, it's really rewarding. But the, the big thing that I have in the future, which was what you asked 
asked me for is that, um, I mean, I run workshops for the mastermind, but I'm looking to expand those workshops. And my goal is to start running tours um, with the tax deed sales for people who are interested in buying to actually go and look at properties and, and, uh, and to assess them, on, you know, in the flesh. <laughs> During yeah. the sales. Oh, I think that'd be um, wonderful. So, so, so Carolyn, as we're wrapping up here, if people want to find out more and connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, well, um, they should drop me a line at uh, my email, which uh, can I can I give that to you later? <laughs> well, <laughs> we put it, it in the we need people to be able to hear it. So which is which is okay. the best email address for people to all right. That? So it's carolyn.gertan at gmail.com. And uh, that's uh, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N dot G-U-E-R-T-I-N at gmail.com. So. Perfect, Carolyn. Well, okay. congratulations on cracking the Thank code. <laughs> I admire your persistence in, in doing that <laughs> and looking <laughs> looking through 1,700 more or less deals <laughs> to, to get the ones that you've, that you've finally done. But it sounds like now... You know, now you're starting to build up some steam. Now you've got a lot of interest with other people. Now you're starting to do these masterminds and start doing these these tours. I think right. I think you're gonna have a lot of people interested in that. Well, and I, the thing is, the more money you have to spend, then the the easier it is as well, of course. So, um, I mean, one person I know made forty thousand dollars on on one house she bought in the tax sale. So, you know, and all she had to to do really was add interior doors. Yeah. So, you know, well, I, and I tell you that doing those flips is fine, but I think your idea of holding on to it is much, much smarter. I mean, if you, if you can get a house for whatever it is, 20, $30,000 and you're renting that out for $1,200 a month, I mean, simple math just tells us that is an awesome return on investment. I would hold on to that all day long. Versus just flipping yeah. these deals. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, no. each their own. So, again, congratulations. Well, thank you. Oh, and okay. to you as well. So, these new uh, podcasts are looking interesting. So, good luck to you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for tuning in, you guys. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye.